This episode is brought to you by Dope Stone Jewelry. I create healing bracelets, anklets, necklaces to help elevate your energy. I give good vibes. Dope Stone Jewelry. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of 94 Feet with Coach JT. Man, do me a like, uh, do me a favor, and leave a like and some comments. Subscribe to this podcast as this summer's heats continue to grow and my guests continue to just bring great content and we just have a good time in the show, man. So do me a favor, please leave a like again and subscribe. Um, let me get into my intro. As you guys know, man, I like to really do my homework as well and give my my guests a good introduction That because um, I appreciate them being on my show. So this gentleman right here, uh, San Bernardino, California native, Went to Eisenhower High School. After high school, this gentleman went to uh, University of San Francisco. After that, he also, man, some future endeavors playing pro ball. I got to see this gentleman for years playing a pro-am at QZR, and I was uh, in awe. Um, currently, though, let me give you his high school resume real quick. The last two years, as far as 2017-2019, he was assistant coach for the CIF championship team down in Colony High School. However, my big thing right now for this man, he has taken his first head coaching job at Ranch Verde High School. Um, he's a head coach and uh, really, like I said, a friend of a friend connected us, and I appreciate this gentleman, um, Mr. Johnny Head Coach Dukes. How you doing, man? How's it going, Johnny? Appreciate it, man, JT, for having me. Uh, it's going good, man. Just kind of getting settled in, getting my feet wet, man. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to some big things coming up in the near future, hopefully. Yes, sir. And as we both know, man, on the on the show, 94 feet, I'd like to jump right into this. But, I mean, before we get into that, the promotion, uh, the congratulations again, man. We got into the background a little bit, man. Let's talk about this this upbringing and, and ground zero for uh, for Dukes, as some people call you, man. Um, growing up, sports. Where was it? I mean, where was it at for you, man? Was it always basketball? What would you play growing up, man? What did you have your hands in growing up as a youngster? Um, more so, uh, I started with basketball around five years old. I, I would say when I first picked up a basketball, um, I did play a little bit of football uh, when I was like seven and eight. Um, and uh, junior All-American football. Uh, so I played that for two years. Uh, and I wasn't bad. I was the biggest kid out there. Uh, I was that I was that kid that um, every parent was asking to see his birth certificate because <laughs> <laughs> I was too big. But um, yeah, my dad used to have to always, man, he's seven or he's eight. And, uh, you know, he used to, so the second year I played, he just started carrying my birth certificate, actually, <laughs> just to, like, show people. But, you know, um, you know, my dad was a was was pretty good at baseball when he was growing up, but I never really gravitated. I, I played t-ball when I was real young. It was it was yeah. too slow for yeah. me, though, man. So I kind of hated t-ball, so I never really got into baseball because I didn't, you know, I didn't go past t-ball. So it was kind of always basketball, and then like I said, I played two years of football, and then I think uh, some financial struggles with my pops. Uh, was the reason why I didn't continue playing. I didn't know that at the time when I was a kid, but you know. Sign up for basketball, it's like fifty dollars to play the season. And then like football, you know, it's two fifty, three fifty for the whole year because you got gear and helmets and shoulder pads and all, all that good stuff. So I didn't end up continuing playing, which basketball was probably my ticket anyway, so I kinda stuck with that. That's what's up. So talk about just growing up even more in depth. Let's just talk about the, the growing up um environment for for you as a young as a young kid and stuff like that. Like what was that like? So um, I grew up, I mean, I was born in San Bernardino, but I, I say I'm from Rialto. I was kind of raised in Rialto, which is not just 10, 15 minutes. So it wasn't, it wasn't too far. Um, so, 
you know, my parents were kind of together until I was about five years old, and then they ended up splitting. And so I was actually with my pops. I always say I was with my pops from kindergarten to sixth grade, and then I moved with my mom in sixth grade and stayed throughout high school. So I kind of was kind of half and half. They were both, you know, in my life, but I lived with one for that period of time, and then I lived with the other one for that period of time. And then, um, like I said, I, I kind of was always involved in basketball with both of them. So that's just kind of how that went. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, so growing up, um, as you know now, definitely coaching and been playing. Um, and I ask a lot of my guests this, but just to, it's been pretty repetitive because we're some of most of my guests for now. We're a little bit on the, the older season side. How much time are we putting in on the court outside, putting work in, man? Because now you know they can clock it, they can whatever. But we were just doing it. How much time would you say you're working in once you honed in on like basketball? I'm finna do this. How often were you playing? Um, I, you know, I played. A lot. You know, I was always out either in the driveway or, you know, hopping the fence at the elementary school to go right. on campus and play there. Uh, that was right up the street. Uh, so I played a lot. But the difference is uh, with, with today's kids, they train like pros as kids. And we I didn't have that. I was just picking up the basketball because I love playing the game. And I would just go out there and just hoop. But it wasn't really like. I didn't have cone drills and somebody telling me, hey, you got a Euro like this and lay up like that and work on this, that, and the third. So, like, kind of where I come from, um, you know, me and then a couple of the guys I grew up, we, we were, like, the kind of the first to do it in our area. So there was no blueprint. So we was just going for what we knew. And, um, you know, I, I learned later on in life, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later, about work ethic and all that stuff. But originally – I would go out there after school two or three hours and, you know, to, you know, uh, back in the day it was, so the street light came on and I'd be out there, you know, getting shots up, playing 21, you know, with my friends in the neighborhood or, you know, my brothers and cousins out in the driveway. So I, I played a lot, but I wouldn't say it was very efficient because I wasn't actually practicing a certain skill or practicing on my right hand or, you know, getting um, getting stuff stronger like that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just kind of out there freelancing. Yeah. You talked about just work ethic. We, I mean, we can talk about it right now. So where would you say yours has come from or who helped instill in that and, and move you to that direction? Because, again, as we know, for uh, for me, too, like it wasn't just there. I, you either make saw for somebody or witness it or you wanted to do that. But who kind of formed that for you or shaped that look for you? So, honestly, uh, it was a, it was a, one of my peers. And like I said, in high school, you know, middle school, high school, I just played to play. And I just happened to be obviously tall, you know, being six, eight, and then just being pretty good. Cause I, I played a lot, but it wasn't until I met, you know, one of your, your former guests, Jason Gaines, and then, um, Jerome gums, they were, uh, Jerome was my official host on, uh, on my visit to USF, but Jay Gaines had the car in college. So he was kind of taking us around everywhere, but, um, I'll never forget when I got there and I was just seeing how hard dudes worked. And I was like, man, I, like, I, I haven't seen this. And then, uh, me and my boy Ron, we laugh about this all the time because uh, that that first summer after my first year at USF, you know, he had us going to this workout with this, this guy named Donovan. It was called the Breakfast Club, and it was at five in the morning in the summer. Mm. I'm like, and, and I, I, I low key hated Ron for. I'm like, man, why are we getting up at five o'clock in the morning in the summertime? Well, we had to get up at like four fifteen because it was like a thirty five minute drive. So we, had, we were driving all the way out to San Mateo. So. I'm like, man, why are we getting up this early? It's summertime. We ain't got no class. We can sleep in. But you know, lo and behold, that's where kind of where my work ethic came from. Now I'm a morning person. Uh, I get up in the morning. You know, I'll ride my Peloton before work. I'll go to the gym at 4.35 in the morning. 
uh, before I get to work. I like to get a you know good start off to my day. But um, if I hadn't had that summer, you know, with my teammates, especially Rome, uh, I wouldn't have the work ethic that I have today. That's what's up. Shout out to the to the fellas, man. That's what it's about, man. That's that's what we need to instill in our kids for sure. You get yeah, this work from ethic, a young man. Age, man. I didn't get it until I was about twenty. Man, right, right, for sure, for sure. Um, let's talk about high school for a quick second, though. Just how was your High school career overall, man. Give me a couple of highlights real quick that you remember that probably stick out from you that you're just never going to forget. Um, I won over 100 games in my four years in college. So, mm. I mean, I'm sorry, in high school. Mm. Um, I played freshman, freshman year. They wanted me to play JV, and uh, our JV coach was crazy. Uh, so I was like, nah, I ain't playing for him. Let me just play freshman, and then I'll skip over JV and go to varsity. So uh, my freshman year, uh, we were 23-2. and two. That's still the freshman uh, best record in the freshman history at Eisenhower. Um, I, like my second or third game, I got a dunk in the game, and uh, the ref gave me a tech for dunking. He hadn't ever seen a freshman dunk in a, in a basketball game. Wow. So my coach, you know, he, he started going crazy. He was like, you can dunk on freshman, you can dunk on freshman. And, uh, so I, like, I'll never forget that story because they ended up taking the tech away. But he thought that you couldn't dunk, oh. you know, at the freshman level. Wow. So, um, you know, so that was kind of a highlight my freshman year. Like I said, we we're twenty three and two. And then um, my next three years, I played varsity. My sophomore year, I kind of came off the bench. Um, I had some big bros that kind of roughed me up a little bit. That kind of, you know, put that that toughness, instilled that toughness in me, and making sure, you know, that we weren't soft. So we were twenty seven and two hmm. my sophomore year. And then, um, you know, my junior year is when I started. I played with uh, you know, my best friend, Sean Marshall. And then uh, I also played with Alex Acker, who played at Pepperdine. He played in the league for a few years with the Clippers in Detroit. Um, so we were, we were pretty decent. My junior year, I averaged about 14 and a half, 15 points a game uh, as a junior. So it was kind of a breakout junior year because, like I said, I played sparingly as a, as a sophomore because, obviously, like I said, we were 27 and 2. So we weren't, you know, slouches by any stretch. And then, uh, so I came off the bench, you know, I probably played five, 10 minutes a game. I probably averaged maybe three, four points. And like I said, junior year, I started. Senior year, um, my other best friend, Corey McJimson, he transferred over from one of the schools in our league. So it was me, Corey, and Sean now. Uh, Sean was a year younger than me. So he was a junior, me and Corey were seniors. We were ranked top 25 in the country. Uh, so we made it to the CIF championship game for the first time in school history. Uh, we played against Long Beach Poly, who we had actually beaten earlier in the season. They have five Division One players. I was going to say, who was on that team that year? Uh, they had um, Bobby Jones, uh, Mercedes Lewis, oh. who still plays for the uh, Packers, the tight end. Mm -hmm. And to this day, that's probably the strongest dude I ever played against. i never forget um, just kind of guarding him in the post or him guarding me in the post. He was just kind of throwing me. I was like... I was like six, seven, six, eight, about 195. And he about six, at that time, probably six, six, about 235, but a football player. So uh, they ended up beating us in the in the championship game when it actually mattered the most. But uh, it was still good. Like I said, first time in school history, uh, we were ranked, I think, I think we got as high as probably like 15 in the country, which had never been done. So like I said, I, I won with the exception of freshman year, we only played 25 games, but the next three years I won over 25 games every year. So I had a pretty, pretty decent high school career. Um, I didn't, again, like I said, I didn't really have like role models when it came to basketball, no blueprint. Um, so as a kid, I was never like that great in school. So I kind of struggled probably from fifth grade on like fourth grade is where I remember the last time I was like really good 
all all across the board. And fifth grade came, whatever happened, I started having all this energy and, you know, I just kind of struggled with school. So I actually didn't qualify out of high school. I was, I was getting recruited by some pretty big schools, Pac-10 schools, Pac-10 at the time, uh, like Marquette, you know, Couple of couple of high major schools, Boston College, but I just didn't have the grade, so I had to go the JUCO route and ended up uh, at San Bernardino Valley College, where I played for a guy who's my mentor now. He's actually the head coach at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. His name is John Smith. Um, so I played for him, and then uh, ended up transferring to USF. Like I said, that's when I met um, Jay Gaines and uh, Jerome Gums, and uh, I actually had a visit set up to Oregon State after. Uh, my visit to USF, but I, I like clicked with those dudes so much. I didn't even take my visit to Oregon state. I committed right after. Yes. And, uh, that's how I ended up at USF. That's what's up. You mentioned that Juco, man. I'm a Juco product kid too, man. So let's talk that Juco grind. Everybody's finally see this last chance you Juco. Like it really gives you an insight of how it's dog eat dog. Right. But I believe I'm a firm believer. It can make a lot of men out of some young boys going to junior college, man, during that time. How was your time at Juco? Absolutely. Uh, it ain't for everybody. Uh, I'm glad that uh, that last chance you uh, for basketball came out because it, it, it depicted a pretty good uh, storyline of how it actually goes when you, you know, when you're playing there. And I actually, my freshman year at Juco, I, I moved to the state of Washington, me and my, my best friend, Corey, we went out there and played. So lived in an apartment and, you know, four people in the apartment. Uh, me and Corey had actually shared the master bedroom. And it was it was a grind, man. We had a point in our season where towards the end of the year, our lights were shut off. Mm. We was having to go to his brother's house on the weekend. We didn't have no no heat. Like we, it was, JUCO is a grind. But if you stick with it, one thing it makes you tougher, and two it makes you appreciate, you know, like getting to D one or whatever that level is, whether it's D two, D three, NAI or whatever. Mm. But uh, you definitely appreciate it because of the, the struggles you have to go through, you know, playing Juco basketball. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. What are some things you held on to to make sure you didn't quit? Because I know I've been at that point either at my four-year college or at junior college. I was home, but I went for four-year away. And a couple of times it was like, okay, man, I, this may not be it. But what made you still hold on and be like, you know what, I'm going to get through this. Or I got to at least keep hacking away till it turns around. Um, definitely my sophomore year at Juco, like I said, my mentor, uh, John Smith, he, he was definitely like, you know, a father figure. He, he, he took care of us. You know, he would take us to his house to eat and, you know, his wife would cook us dinners and he would just basically like put, put an arm around you and, you know, tell you, you got this and, you know, you got talent and use it and, uh, you know, don't let basketball use you. Um, you know, you can go somewhere with this thing and, uh, just kind of finally having that guidance that, you know, that I had probably been looking for at a younger age. Like I said, my pops didn't, he didn't know anything about, he was a baseball player. He didn't know much about basketball. He didn't play division one. So nobody, I'm the first division one athlete in my family, first pro athlete in my family. So like I said, there was no, no blueprint. So I finally got a male figure in my life that had either been through it or kind of knew about it. So he kind of helped me out and, you know, had that never quit attitude for me, which he kind of instilled in me. And you know, that's kind of what I've been feeding off of ever since. Yes, sir. That's that foundation. That's what's up. Um, you get this USF, but before there, man, I know you talk about, I about this dunk though, freshman year, right? I had a freshman in my, actually on my team to get his first dunk, but he's only like 5'10", which I'm like, is crazy. But your athleticism part, where you think, where, where did all that come from? Is that something maybe you say natural or you, you, you trained and worked on that? Because, I mean, I've seen the highlights. People seen the highlights. Like, it's just crazy. So where, is, how, how did, where did that all come about? I can honestly say I never worked on my bounce. It was, it was 
definitely God given uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. Like I said, I'm the tallest person in my family, but I hit the genetic lottery, as they would say. So I, I kind of got lucky in that aspect where I was just, I had this ability to jump. And, uh, you know, I, I, I punished a lot of people at the rim yeah. and, and, you know, threw it on their head or, or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I, I never, like, got in the gym and, and did squats and, you know, cleans and yeah. all that type of stuff until I got to USF where we had an actual strength and conditioning coach where you do work on those things. But by then, I, I was already a leaper, as you would say. That's what's up. So, so USF, uh, get there get settled in your freshman year what's the biggest thing transition wise you felt you had to bring to the table or work on coming from juco now going to the four year um work <laughs> you got it like so now you know coming from it whether it's juco or high school when, once you get to that next level everybody was the star or the man on their team so you don't just come in right away and you know just think, oh, this is about to be my team. I'm my average twenty. I'm gonna do my thing. Like you got to come in and actually put the work in, which is why I, I was uh, happy I met you know Jason and Jerome because they they kind of showed me and they were they were you know just a little bit older and they had been there, so they kind of showed me the ropes and showed me like, hey, you, the talent is there, but you got to put the work in too because everybody at this level is talented. So uh, once I got to USF, you know I, I figured out what hard work actually was and not that i did I, I worked hard in juco and i worked hard in high school and i had great coaches but you know being out i was just always one of the best like at that time so now when you get to usf and everybody's kind of equally as talented mm -hmm. the way you're gonna stand out is if you if you're putting in the work so um like, like i said i got to usf and, and, and met those two guys and they they kind of helped me out along the way that's what's up. And I think I'm looking through the stat line, man. You got a couple of rec up there in the record books for block shots and then some rebounds. Uh, what was your niche at that on that team with those guys you played? What was your what would you say your role is? Uh, as we know, the game right now has changed so much, but back then I know we had coaches made deliberately like, "Well, this is your role. This is what I need you to do." What were you doing on that team to to help you guys get some wins? Well, actually, a little backstory. Um, so when I was at San Bernardino Valley College and I had already committed and signed to USF. Uh, the coach that recruited me, he got fired. And um, uh, I'll never forget, I called Jerome and Jason, and I was like, yo, like, because, you know, usually when people get fired, some people transfer, some people leave, some people get out of their, you know, their letter of intent. So, like I said, I had connected with those dudes so well. I called them, and I said, yo, what y'all what doing? And they said, well, what you going to do? And then uh, I remember Rome was like, I'm staying. I said, if you stay, if you staying, I'm coming. And he said, well, I'm staying. I said, well, say less. That's it. I I'll be there. So I ended up staying. I, I think my role wasn't what I originally thought it was going to be because I didn't play for the coach that recruited me. Obviously, when you're getting recruited, the coach is telling you, hey, this is my vision. I want you to come in and do this, that, and the third. And, uh, you know, this is what I see for you. So when uh, Jesse Evans got the job, um, he ended up flying down to San Bernardino Valley and watching one of my open gyms to even see if he still wanted me. And obviously, I was I was the best player on that team. So, um, you know, I went in open gym. I did my thing. So after, he was like, yeah, I still want you to come. But at the end of the day, I wasn't his guy. You know, if coaches are going to win or lose at that level, they want to win or lose with their people. So, um, like I said, I got to USF. Originally thought I was going to start, like I said, from what Matthews was telling me. But again, obviously, you got to work at every level. So nothing was handed. It wasn't going to be handed to me anyway. But um, like I said, going into a different system, a different coach, different, different state of mind. Like he, you know, he he had a different vision. 
Um, I played. I was. I think I was a six man when I first transferred. Uh, so it wasn't like I didn't play, but it was just it was it was a little bit different because I wasn't his. But my niche, you know, getting back to your question, uh, I was always an energy guy, defensive guy, obviously a highlight guy. Um, so I would just do those little things. I, I played with uh, you know Jason was my starting point guard. Uh, Jerome was the starting three man then. Uh, I don't know if you know John Cox, who's oh, actually yeah. Kobe's cousin, played a long time in France. He just retired. He's actually uh, coaching at LaSalle University. Okay. I think in Philly. He's from Philly. So, um, you know, I played behind those guys, and, you know, they were kind of the ones, you know, doing most of the bulk of the scoring. Also, Tyrone Riley, too, who's, all, who's from uh, L.A. Um, so I just came in and tried to do whatever I could to, to help the team win, whether it was block shots, rebound, put back dunks, you know, a drive here and there, maybe a three here and there. So whatever I, I was that type of player that would do whatever it took to like stay on the floor because at my size I could always put the ball on the floor a little bit I could make a shot I wouldn't say I was a shooter but I could make I could definitely make a, a open shot I rebounded pretty decent for my size so I just I did a little bit of everything. Yes. Okay. Talk. You talked about that transition right not being his guy still because your friend your your new friends teammates are there mentally though how did that did that weigh on you? Um, during those times or during those periods where you're like, you know what, man, I'm, I probably should have just went somewhere else to try something else. How did you overcome that and stick it out and finish up? Um, yeah, it was tough, but when you got good teammates, um, like, you know, again, I'm probably going to hear me mention them That's a good. lot because yeah. this is my dude, Jerome and Jason. Like, yeah. They keep you level-headed, man, and, and they, they've been through it before, and um, so they, they just kind of helped me out along the way. And like I said, it wasn't like he buried me on the bench, so – I could have started or came off the bench. I was still playing 20 minutes a game. So I wasn't in a horrible situation. And, you know, I had such uh, respect for those, for my teammates. Like, I just wanted to win. So it wasn't even really about me playing 20 or 30 minutes or shooting 25 shots. I just wanted to, I wanted to do whatever I could do to help my boys win that's and my team up. win. Yep. Selfless, man. I definitely, uh, that selflessness is, needs to be brought up for sure. Uh, Get the USF. All right, now, I guess we know nowadays, right, there's so many options for everybody to do stuff out of college now, so many ways to go. What's on your mind after you finish this college career at that point in time? Because I know, again, given the time frame, our mind, it was different. Now, it's it's anything goes, right? What are you thinking after you finish up your last season there? What's what's next for you? Well, I, I faced some adversity a little bit before that. So, okay. again, I was the JUCO transfer, so I transferred in as going into my junior year, which I had a decent junior year. I was expected to, you know, have a great senior year. I ended up getting injured. Uh, my senior year, uh, I ended up breaking. So, obviously, I told you I was a, a scrawny kid, mm-hmm. you know. So, when you get to D1, again, you got meal plans, you got right. strength and conditioning coach. So, I ended up putting on 20 pounds of all, like, all muscle in one year. But it ended up being too much, like, weight too Ooh, fast. So, I ended up having fractures in both of my feet mm-hmm. going into the beginning of my senior year. So, um, the doctors made, I had some custom-made inserts. And uh, he was like, you can kind of play on these. They, I remember they used to hurt like hell, though. And I was trying to play on them. And then we were about like the third game of the season. Uh, I'll never forget, we were playing Monmouth. They were in a zone. And obviously, I was the, the leaper on the team. So we were about to run a live play for me. So, you know, they passed the ball away from me, the back screen coming on the backside. Yeah. I go up to, to plant. And my point guard didn't even throw the ball either. So that was like the messed up point. And when I planted, I like, I don't know if you can actually hear it, but I heard it. Yeah. Like, I heard the snap. Mm. Like, and I was like, man, I, I knew exactly what it was. Obviously, both my you know feet were fractured. It was my left foot. 
So I, I go to plant, I felt it pop, and I, I ended up running through the zone. I get to the corner. Now I get the ball, they pass me the ball, the shot clock winding down. I hit a three. So I, I'm hobbling down the court. I'm like, coach, coach, like, get me out, get me out. He don't call the timeout. He's waiting for like a stoppage. So uh, I, we, they, they the score that we got to stop. We go back down on offense. Somehow I get the ball again. I shoot a mid-range jump shot like a short run of base. I hit that. So I score five points on a broken foot. Wow. So finally, one of my teammates, you know, take, take a, a foul. Yeah. I get out the game. I hobble to the sideline. I tell our trainer, I'm like, B, it's broke. It's broke. I heard it. It's broke. I, I knew it. Like, as soon as it happened, I knew it was broke. So, like I said, so that ended my my uh, quote-unquote senior year, because only three games in, so I ended up getting a year back. And then, again, we want to talk about adversity. Uh, as soon as I came back from that, so I was out like six, seven months. I was in a cast for a few months, obviously rehab. And then uh, the season ends. I come back, tear my meniscus. Mm. So this is like in the, right before the end of, end of the school year. So tear my meniscus, have surgery, rehab that. So now we, you know, fast forward, we get to right before the season starts, I tear a ligament in my thumb. So now I got to have surgery on that. I ended up having three surgeries in 11 months. Wow. So like I said, I ended up missing my, my senior year. And then I ended up missing the very, uh, like I said, I redshirted and then ended up missing the very beginning of my fifth year senior year. Uh, probably missed like five or six games. But it was just, I, I, they were saying, like, man, you're the most expensive athlete on campus because <laughs> I was constantly under the knife. But you want to talk about adversity? That, that was when, like, I didn't know, like, man, after having never been hurt other than a sprained ankle in my entire life, right. to go through three injuries in one year tough. and just kind of be hobbled, you know, for, for about 13 months, that was that was very tough. It was some it was some long nights. It was some long hours in, you know, in the training room with the staff trying to recover. It was, you know, definitely some self-doubt was setting in. Like, man, is this it for me? Like, do I have, do I have a future? Is basketball going to be done? So it was – that was a, that was a rough moment in my life. Uh, so I kind of got off to a slow start my senior year, obviously because I got to get back in shape, yeah. get my rhythm back. So I ended up having a decent senior year, and I actually won uh, as a team award. I won comeback athlete of the year for the whole school, and okay. I won most improved player for the for the team. So I ended up winning. Those are two like adversity awards. Oh yeah. That I, that I ended up let me, uh, winning. Let me ask you this though. So we talked about it before. I try to mention it now. During that time, that's tough. Who's your lifeline? Out, I mean, if it, you know I mean, again, it may be your, your boys, who was it, but who was your lifeline? Because that, that's a lot. That's a lot repeatedly back to back for a young man to go through and not be in your home city, not be with your immediate family. Who'd you right. plug into? Um, so I was married at the time. So obviously I, I had my wife there. She was, you know, making sure I was, you know, taking the ibuprofen or whatever meds I needed, you know, popping my foot up, you know, uh, just helping, you know, whatever I couldn't do. So she was definitely a lifeline. And then again, I had my two best friends. One was at Boston College, so he was thousand miles away. The other one was at UMBC, so he was thousands of miles away. So I would call and check in with them a little bit. You know, they would talk to me. I would lean on my parents. Uh, they would help me get through it. And then just, just that never, you know, give up attitude that I, like I was saying, I learned from Coach Smith. You know, so. Um, I was just like, man, I, I gotta, I gotta overcome this. I gotta, I gotta get through this. But like I said, some self doubt definitely set in. It was some nights where I wanted to give up. It was some, some days where, 
you know, the, the rehab, it was just tough. And I didn't everything else was going to be the same. And I started gaining weight. And like, you know, it was, that was, that was probably my roughest year as an athlete out of all my years that I played. Absolutely, man. But you made it, made it through that. The perseverance is amazing, man. So like I said, yeah. that's definitely some, you're not the one that's been through that or you're not the one that's going to go through that. So, I mean, these listeners better take heed, man, that they can still overcome that, which is, is super dope, man. So you get okay. like, you got out of college, make it through this. What's next for you on your plate then? What you thinking? So um, I always wonder if I could like play overseas. I, obviously, you know, with the year, senior year that I had, NBA wasn't really an option. I, I wasn't a NBA prospect anyway. I was a, a, a pretty good college player, but you know, NBA is the top 1% in the world. So um, I wanted to continue playing. So right after uh, we ended up losing in the conference tournament, um, again, my senior year, an agent reached out to me and he was like, hey, like, you know, I like your game. You know, can we meet up? Let's let's go for dinner. Let's, you know, talk about I got a vision for you. Let's see, you know, see if we can, you know, build a you know, relationship. And uh, I ended up having another agent reached out. So I only had like two agents that kind of came after me. And uh, I ended up going, sitting down at Mel's Diner. I'm sure you're probably familiar with yeah. Mel's Diner. So uh, we sat down there. You know, he, he told me, like, you know, I, I think I can get you a gig. Uh, you know, I, I, like, I like your game. Uh, I think I can help you. So I told him first thing, uh, I was like, man, I got one more semester of school. So if I'm, I promised my mom I'm going to finish school. So if I'm leaving, it's not going to be till December when I graduate. So he was real cool about it. He was like, you know what, let's just start working on your passport and stuff. Now that way, when you're ready, you know what I'm saying? When, when that phone call comes, we can go. Dope. So I actually didn't even go. So as soon as I graduated, I didn't even go to my graduation for undergrad because uh, I got a call from a Turkish team and they were like, they were looking for a player, but my agent was like, you got to leave like in the next two days. But my graduation was probably four or five days out. So I'm like, dang. So I'm not even going, I'm not even going to walk. But I was like, man, you know, at the time, like I said, they offered me the contract, yeah. you know, coming from, you know, the, the inner city, like, you know, we, uh, a lot of us grew up rough. I never had no money. I had never seen those kind of dollar signs. Like, you Facts. know, I was going to make, I said, man, I'm out of here. Yeah. So yeah. I got on that plane and uh, went to Turkey. And, uh, you know, the, like the rest was history. I, I ended up playing six years overseas. Um, but, yeah, I got over there. Actually, rewind a little bit. He actually sent me to China first. That's actually, I didn't walk because I went to China. Okay. And uh, he almost ruined my career, like, like as far as confidence goes, because he sent me to China. He's like, okay, like this team is looking for like a four or five. And I was really more like a three, four. So I get over there. They looking for a big man. Mm -hmm. You know, like Chinese, like they got seven-footers, seven-four, seven-two. Like they got big. Facts. I go over there. They got me battling out with these true five-mans again. Like I said, I'm an undersized four and kind of a big three. I was kind of a tweener. So, you know, I ended up, like, not making it. And I got sent home. And I was kind of embarrassed, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, like, I didn't make it. First time in my life I ever been base quote-unquote cut. Right. You know, I didn't make it. So I kind of hid in the shell uh, for about two weeks. Didn't answer my phone. My best friend's reaching out to me. I'm not answering the phone because I'm literally like embarrassed. I always been one of the best players wherever I went. So again, more adversity for you. Um, so I got in the, I quietly got in the gym and waited for the next call, which was a Turkish call. And uh, I was like, okay, I got a gig for you in, Tur in Turkey. They want you to play the floor, blah, blah. I went over there with the mindset. I said, man, when I leave this time, I am not coming back. Facts. Like, 
because it was like, you know, everything overseas is a tryout. So I'm like, man, I'm not coming back. So I go over there, kill the tryout, ended up staying on for the rest of the year. And then, like I said, uh, the second year, you know, my wife at the time, she got pregnant and which was kind of planned, but uh, she ended up pregnant. So I told my agent, I was like, ah, man, I don't know if I want to go over. You know, he was like, well, you know, they got the NBA D League. You know, you can play for the for the LA Defenders. It was the DSG League now, mm-hmm. but it was the D League at the time when I was playing. So they had a tryout. Mind you, it's it's a hundred and some, you know, men at this tryout. They was only picking one guy. <laughs> so I went in there, I killed the tryout. And so like before the draft, they can allocate one player that doesn't have to go in the draft and they're gonna keep that player so you automatically on the roster. You don't gotta enter the D League draft. And I got picked, man. So I went in there. I killed it. They chose me. I was the allocated player. I didn't have to go on the draft. I knew I was going to be an L.A. defender. Um, so season starts there. Boom. Another injury. Tore my meniscus again. Gee. So same meniscus. So now, you know, whenever – I don't know if you know, you know much about the meniscus, but they just take a piece of it out every time. So right. right now, I only – to this day, only got half of my meniscus in there. So they took out 25% in college. And then 25%, you know, when I was in the D-League. But I had the best doctors. You know? Like, this was the Lakers team doctors. I was, I was in great hands. So I ended up only playing two or three games that season. Basically stayed around, uh, you know, uh, worked on rehabbing uh, with all of, with the with the guys who were injured. And then um, uh, finally got another contract the following year and went back overseas. Uh, and I think I ended up in Ukraine. And then I went to Japan and I went to Belgium. So like I said, uh, no, I went back to Turkey. So I was back to that exact same team that I had played for. So it was Turkey, D-League, back to Turkey, and then, uh, you know, Belgium, uh, Ukraine, Japan. So That's what's up. Did you ever think, I appreciate another answer growing up, you'd be out of the country getting stamps like this and playing ball? I absolutely did not. A kid coming from, you know, San Bernardino County, uh, Vegas was about as far as I had been. Uh, obviously, until college, we started getting on planes. Uh, but, you know, just as a kid, you, obviously, every kid from America, the dream is to go to the NBA. We, we see our idols at the time. Mine was Shaq, Kobe, T-Mat, like guys like AI, guys like that. So, um, we had, I, I didn't even know overseas ball existed. So, I was never thinking about overseas until uh, my senior in high school, my coach brought a couple guys in that played overseas. I was kind of better than a couple of them. I was like, man, if they, he overseas, I could go overseas too. So then, like I said, you get to college, you kind of realize the NBA isn't really the dream or it's not, it's not really going to happen. So now you start to think about overseas and you, and then you have people who were before you that graduated and they're already overseas. You know, they would come back in the summer and play. So now, you know, overseas is an option. And then, you know, you just kind of go from there, but, um, (laughs) I think life is full of adversity because when you get over there, more adversity for you. You know, yeah. language barrier, time change, food different. Uh, thank God for a FaceTime wasn't even out at the time. Skype was big. Right. Uh, it was kind of like basically like Zoom. But uh, so I, I had used Skype to, you know, talk to my son, talk to, like I said, my wife at the time and, and just kind of, you know, stayed on Skype 24-7. <laughs> so, That's what's up. So, at what point in time did you start playing? And then what time? Then I think the the pro am at the Cubs are man. Because was this? Were you still playing overseas? Come home and play, or this is after you finished going overseas? Yeah, so I think I started playing right after college. My 
I might have even played after my junior year. That was the first summer. And I remember I actually didn't even play that much because nobody, they didn't really know me. I'm not from the Bay. Yeah. So I didn't really play that much. And then after my senior year, um, I ended up playing and then I kind of had a good year. I played with a cat named Jerome Randall. Uh, so me and yeah. him, we kind of tore the program up. But yeah, I started playing like at the tail end of college. And then um, my coach, uh, his name was Rick. He's like a jeweler from the Bay yeah. Area. Um, so I, I had I was living in San Francisco, but then when I moved back home, he used to fly me up every week just for the game. So he had me on what they call the buddy pass with Southwest. So yeah. you can basically like fly anywhere. So he put me on his buddy pass. He would fly me up every week for the games, which prime was like eight games and then playoff. Yeah. So eight weeks plus a couple more weeks during the summer, he would fly me up. I would go up there. I would play the day of the game and then fly. I would stay at his crib and then fly back the next morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, area's finest yeah, back I, then I, was popping. Yeah, yeah area's finest yeah. had the videos and I'm yeah. not sure. I know, like I said, I'm, I'm friends with Dominic Johnson, too. You're up at Gold Rush. I think, I don't know if DJ played with you or not one year or not. I didn't play with DJ, okay. but I coached with Team Challenge LS. Okay. And he was playing with us in that for the TBT. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's my dog, too. So, I know Dominic. Yeah, going down there. And I think Tay played one time. Dante Green played out there a couple of times. They used to go out there and play. But them games, and I know I played in QZR my senior year. Uh, for NorCal's out there, and that floor was so bouncy. I'm like, dudes in high school was out here dunking. I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. But the, the place was dope, but I was like, this floor is so bouncy. Like, little guys looking there flying, like, I was like, and then, you know, you being your size, those guys out there being grown men, it was like, these dudes are jumping above the the backboard. Like, that was, was crazy. Like I said, I was pulling yeah, up some film. I, I don't know I don't know what it is about Keysar Floor. Still crazy. to this day, the best floor I ever played on. <laughs> and it's like... It's literally like you got springs, and like me already being somewhat of a bouncy guy, easy. I would just go in there and just kind of, just kind of show out. Yes, but, uh, it was it was so fun, you know, playing in there. I, I remember we played. Um, I forget what team, but um, Matt Barnes and Jason Capono was on that team. Me and Jerome Randall, we played them in the finals. Oh, okay. And this was the year Matt Barnes had signed with the Lakers. So that summer, they was on his helmet. Though. I was there. I think I was might have been there that game. Though. It was packed in there. Yeah. They was, was packed, and they was in there chanting, beat L.A., like, because he was going to the Lakers. So, uh, man, it was definitely some legendary times at Kizar and the SF Pro-Am. I, yeah. I was, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That was some of, some of the funnest times that I had. Yeah, Jerome Jerome was tough, though, too, man. I, I, I like this game, man. I love this game. Um, coaching. Now we flip the script, though. Like, at what point do you really get into say, you know what, uh, this is what I wanted to do? Because, I mean, it's a it's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It's a grind. It's a, it's a, it's a humbleness you gotta have about yourself some way. But at one point in your stage in your life, did you feel like, okay, you know what? This may be my. This is my next move. This is my next step. So ending, um, you know, my playing career, I probably could have played a little bit longer, um, but my health—not health, but like you know, my body was beginning to deteriorate because all the injuries that I had been through. My, you know, my knee would constantly stay swollen, so. I had to kind of make a choice. And then I was actually going through a divorce at the time. So I, I wasn't seeing, you know, my kid, I got a newborn kid and now he's like four at this time. But, uh, so I was like, it was kind of a tough decision. I was like, do I play and, you know, not really see my kid as much or do I come home? I, which this was the reason why I stayed and got my degree. I knew I could, one day I was going to have to get in the real world. So, uh, and decided to retire and, uh, 
one of my buddies, he was a student, what they call a student mentor in the, in the school district. And uh, so I ended up sitting down with the superintendent. He was like, yeah, I think you would be great. Um, you know, it's basically like kind of being like a role model, working with the average youth. So I'm like, okay. So um, you know, I ended up taking that job. And a lot of people have, it's a tough transition to go from hooping, you know, basically your whole life to having to get into the real world. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've had some friends who struggle with it. I've had some friends who had, had smooth transitions, but so I ended up, you know, like I said, decided to stop playing. And then uh, I ended up coaching the middle school team at the middle school that I, that I got to, you know, they were one and six the year before they had some terrible years before that. And I came in there, we went at the time of seven and oh, we won the, the district title. So I'm like, okay, like, I, I, I didn't, I never really knew I, I would be a coach. Like when I was playing, I never thought like, okay, when I get done playing, I'm a coach. So obviously I know I love basketball, kind of wanted to still have my foot, you know, in the door around basketball. So I coached the middle school team. I'm like, okay, like, this is, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, you know, when you actually, when you draw up a play like for the first time and you actually see it executed, you like, you kind of feel good about yourself. And then mm -hmm. you obviously instill in certain things that you've learned over your years as being a coach, like you've been a big, big brother, father figure to these kids. So I'm like, okay, I think this is something I might like really want to do. So I ended up coaching one year at Upland with my best friend. Then he was supposed to get the head job. It didn't work out. So uh, we took a year off. And then I ended up meeting this coach, Jerry DeFabius, over at Colony. So we went and met up with him. And we sat down and um, literally talked for like three hours, just all basketball stuff. And uh, okay, we was okay, this is where we need to be. So the next six years, you know, I'm here at Colony coaching. We kind of uh, took a program that was, he, he had some success before us. Um, he hadn't won CIF, I think, in nine years. Uh, he had like a nine-year gap between the CIF championships. So kind of when me and Corey got there, again, we're just, you know, instilling in these kids a lot of the stuff that, that we learned as kids and, you know, the do's and don'ts and how you, you know, conduct yourself. Because obviously, you know, coaching is more than just X's and O's. Mm -hmm. Like you you really help and raise the next generation. And I, I, I pretty much learned everything that I know in life, like through basketball. And basketball, yeah. So, uh, so again, I always like the phrase is 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 this bigger than basketball? It's it's more than just people. A lot of people think like you just throwing an orange ball through a, a hoop, and basketball literally literally saved my life. I don't graduate high school without basketball. I don't get to college without basketball. I I, I don't go overseas without basketball. Mm -hmm. I don't learn, you know, teamwork. You know, I don't get a work ethic. I don't yep. uh, time management, showing up on time. Right. Like these are all things that translate to the real world. Yep. So, um, and one of the, the things, um, Rome, he has a, a, a thing he calls Empower Me Academy up in the Bay Area where he's kind of training kids and doing the same thing. And uh, he came out with a documentary and it says, uh, most Fortune 500 uh, company owners play some sort sports. of sports mm -hmm. in high school or in college. Right. So, Sports, man, it, it attributes to uh, more than just the game. Like it, it, it helps you literally through life. So, that's what I said, I started coaching six years at Colony. We had some success. Got to the state championship for the first time in school history. Uh, once you have in 2017, uh, we, I think the only school in the area who has two state championships in the last five years. So I was lucky to be a part of that. But um, we had a great leader, as in Jerry, been the head coach, and then he had great assistance. Like. We had two guys that played the game at a high level, played pro, played D1. 
So kind of knew the ins and outs, and we meshed all that together, had a great group of kids, and was able to have some success, which ended up propelling me to getting a head coaching job. Obviously, you got to do well at every stage in your career. So I felt like I was a great assistant um, for six years. Uh, kind of felt like the last two years, I was thinking, okay, I could, I could, I could be a head coach someday. Like, you know, I, I want to be a head coach someday. So I never thought about actually leaving Colony because you know Jerry was always telling me you're the next you the next guy you the next head coach like whenever I, I decide to retire and hang it up uh, like you are the next head coach so I was always kind of um, like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just be wait till he's done and, and be at Colony <laughs> or you know you always think you got a plan and God got something different for you I can attest to that yeah. brother for real it's not on it's not on our time it's not on yeah, our time we gotta you know what I mean. It's definitely that. So the opportunity came up, man. A friend of mine who I, I did my master's program with uh, reached out to me, and um, he was like, hey, the Rancho Verde job is open. Would you be interested? And originally, like I said, again, I always thinking I'm going to be the next coach at Colony. I'm like, ah. I'm like, nah, I'm kind of in a good spot over here at Colony. And then I was like, hold on. I mean, let me think for a second. I was like, this, this is actually it's a good job. It's an area that, that gets kids. The school historically has won and, and done well. Uh, they've had a couple bad years over the last three or four years, but they had won CIF in 2017. They were in the Open Division in 2018, so they just three years removed from being really, really good. You got some players. So, you got some players. I'm like, okay, hold on. So, I, you know, I, I always go to the people I lean on, um, which is my two best friends, Corey and Sean. I got another friend, Bingo, and then obviously my lady, who uh, I'm with now. Those are kind of the four pillars who I, I leaned on, and they was like, "Man, you this hey, this is a great opportunity. Like, you ready? Like, this is what you've been working for. Like, you got to take this." That's so I ended up reaching out to the principal, sent them my resume, and uh, got an interview, got a second interview, and you know, kind of knocked it out the park. And you know, they they ended up taking a chance on a guy who obviously has been around the game and knows the game, but. Doesn't have any head coaching experience. That's a that's a big then, that's a you know, big factor, I believe. In, in America, there's not a ton of us as head coaches. I mean, even if that, like I said, and, and this, was this your first time going for a head coaching job after just being an assistant at, the, at Colony? That's it. Have you had any so, other interviews or something like that? Any other interviews? Any other opportunities you kind of tried to get, didn't get? Like I said, I always thought I was going to be the coach at Colony, and I, I I would never leave unless it was the right job. A couple years before, I was offered a job to be a head coach, but it wasn't a good job, in my opinion. Okay. So I turned it down immediately. Okay. Like I said, one, I was assuming to be the head coach, next head coach at Colony, and two, I didn't think I could really go over there and have the impact that I would want because uh, I'm not trying to go somewhere where I'm going to be three and 23 every year. Facts. And, you know, that area just is just not a great area where they get a bunch of a whole bunch of talent. And now the Rancho Verde situation is different. Like, they haven't been good the last couple of years, but – Historically, they've been they've been good, you know, year in and year out. Yeah. So I knew um, this is somewhere I can come in and hopefully have an immediate impact and trying to turn this thing back around to where they used to be just yeah. three years ago. That's that's so up. I think one important piece too, though, is the sports, the relationship piece, right? Because with your friends, your your circle, and now your coach, you know, what I'm saying who values you. Um, and I, my situation is, is is similar in some aspects, but also similar where I had to you know leaving my old high school to where I thought I was gonna get the job. But something else came about. But I was like, I was waiting. I was ready. But then, you know, it was like, go over here first. Get experience. Went back to JC. Then get a head coaching job. Stayed there. Had to shift goals. Went back to JC for a year. Then I'm at back at my old high school where I played at, where I coached at. 
But this, now it's like, oh, it's a little, it's buzzing, it's popping again. I'm like, okay, like you said, it just wasn't, I thought I was ready years ago to get here, but maybe right. I wasn't, you know, I'm had to realize that. Just keep learning, but all the stuff you learned at Colony, other places, I think it just prepared both of us in our situations to be where we are now. And again, like you said, I think our time is for a reason, right? Because you never know what kids finna come in there right now and need to see yeah. your face. What parent may need to see, listen to this interview and say, okay, I, I know a little more about coach. You know, coach is a little more, you know, I'm, I'm, because once you know about somebody, and coach especially, as we know, right, they should be more lenient for us guiding their young men, being mentors. Yeah. People want to know about their, who, who their kids with. They should want to know who they're who they leaving their kid with every day, you know what I mean? So. Absolutely. And uh, the one thing I've been learning that, uh, since I got the head job is all these, like, because I got a lot of people inquiring about either coming here or parents that are already there, with the, you know, their kid is already there. So I've had a, you know, a bunch of people come and talk to me, and what I'm learning is a, a lot of them, are doing their homework. They're like, yo, I talked to so-and-so. Hmm. They're saying you're a good guy. And finally, like, being a, like, you know, a, a good person in the, uh, around the community is paying off because now when people are doing their homework, I mean, I'm checking out. Yes. Like, it's like, everybody's asking, inquiring, who is this guy? Where does he come from? Is he a good person? Is he a good coach? And now everybody that they're asking, they're like, yeah, this is the guy your kid needs to be with. Keep your kid at you know at Rancho Verde. Don't leave. Like he's in good hands. Blase, blase. So that's super dope. Uh, yeah, like you know, because again, it's more than just the X's and O's. You gotta you gotta really you know mentor these kids, and yeah. I, I want to help raise the next generation of you know young, mostly African American, but you know yeah. it don't, it don't, race don't matter. Like I don't care what color you are. I, I I just want you to you know to be a decent person. So I'm teaching these kids about social media. You know, hard work, work mm-hmm. ethic, being on time, you know, how you conduct yourself on campus, uh, in and out of class. And it's it's, it's more than just being in that 94 feet, yep. like you, say, uh, yeah. you know, and, and playing the game. It's, it's definitely it's definitely bigger than that. So you got to be able to touch the whole child. Because if you only just in it for the wins and losses and the X and O's, I don't think you can ever be a great coach. I agree, sir. Very, very well said. Some people won't say it enough. You know, base it off wins, but like I said, man, that that game could teach us them so much more than what just in between between them lines, man. So, um, like you said, I think ninety four feet goes outside the lines. It's really every day outside that gym, right? And I want to ask this though, the feeling, because man, and hopefully everybody listening to this, I heard the first one. He got his bachelor's degree. Then my man said he went back and got a master's. I also went and got my master's too, but. It's education, it's it's student athlete, or but there's no time frame on that, man. Us as coaches still go back to school. We still study. We still go to camps and clinics to get better, but also it's to do what? Turn around and feed our students and our players, man. So um, shout out for you for taking care of business. But I want to ask about how is moms and dads feeling about your progress as far as you got that degree, not checked it off the list. You played overseas, checked off the list. You got a master's degree. How is that feeling for your family to get, be accomplished at this, uh, this age and state where you're at? Um, I think it's a kind of a big deal, man. My parents are are super proud of me. Uh, they, they, you know, they tell me all the time. Again, like I said, if we go back at the timeline, I'm literally the first person to be a Division One athlete I'm, in my family. I'm the first person in my family to have a bachelor's degree. I'm the first person in my family to be a professional athlete. I'm the first person in my family to have a master's degree. I'm the first person in my family to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So oh. I feel like. I tell all my nieces and nephews, and especially my son, like, uh, now my son, he has two parents. Like, my parents barely graduated high school. Right. My son has two parents that have masters. So, so I'm like, look, son, uh, whether it's, it's sports or not, uh, the bar is set. Yeah. Like, you like, yeah. <laughs> you, you got, some, you got some, some heights to reach. Like, you know, we're going to push you. And obviously, 
I said, if you don't choose sports, that's fine. But uh, education is definitely key. Oh. So, um, you know, I actually, I graduated in 07. And then uh, I didn't end up going back to school until 2019. So I was out of, you know, I was out of school for a while. Hey, I, I was in 06. I didn't go back to get my master's till 2015, graduated 17. So, yeah, I took that break and I was horrified. Horrified. Online classes, late nights, I'm like, I can't do this. But yeah, the support system it's, and. It's a grind. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I got a full time job. Yeah. I'm coaching high school basketball, which is, in a sense, long, another full time job. Yes, yeah, yep. Long hour, and I'm taking um, master's classes online. Yep. So. And then, you know, my son lives with his mom in L.A., so every weekend, it's an hour and a half drive there and a two-hour drive back, like, just because, you know, the L.A. traffic. So that was one of the tougher times um, for me, but also the most gratifying because I've been able to finish it. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Just, Daryl, like, how was that? Because once I think, once I submitted my paper or my little email and they said it's been accepted or something like that, I was just like, did I really do this? Like, did this really, like, them two years <laughs> went by, them, them 18 months, whatever it was, went by fast. But like, I really, and my grades are better in grad school, I know, as we all know, right? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Than, than, than I ever had, bro. I said, I'm a 3.5 student. I was like, y'all, y'all can't tell me nothing, man. <laughs> man, again, I, I'll be the first to tell you, as a kid, I did not love school. Yeah, hey. As a, as a adult, I didn't love it, but I understood the importance of it. Mm -hmm. So, school, like I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, and I'll you know there are kids who love it, and there are kids who don't. Yeah. But you no, know, you got to do what you want to do. I mean, you got to take care of the, you know take care of your business so you can do the things that you want to do. Fact. So, again, like you just said, uh, your your undergrad and your high school. I didn't I I didn't have great grades. Like I said, I didn't qualify out of high school. Yeah. I was a Chuco product, barely graduated undergrad, and then my master's program, I graduated with a three four. So I have my highest GPA ever in school and probably the, at the highest level of school. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, that was, dope. you know, it was definitely a big deal. Um, but it was it was a lot of long, late nights, you know, writing 20, 30-page papers Man. and still got to prepare the scouting report for your playoff game coming yeah. up. And then you still got to go work your, your eight-hour shift. like, And then with all that, you kind of want to stay in shape, too, so you got to find time to get in the gym. Like, it's it literally... But the last two years for me, it wasn't enough hours in a day, but I had to figure out um, how to get it done and time management. Uh, the thing I sacrificed most is probably sleep. And then secondly, yeah. it was probably the gym. Uh, you know, wish I was in a little bit better shape, but yeah. if I'm going to help, you know, help a kid achieve his dream, I'll, I'll take a few pounds for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we go, man, like I said, you know, in basketball, triple threat, right? Asking my guests at the end of my shows. Just give me a triple threat, but just in whatever. It can be basketball, life, whatever. Just give me three things that you probably harp on or even at your new school, your foundational pieces, triple threat, man. We're looking for three things right now you can give to me for the listeners. Uh, well, two things, student and athlete. I always tell my kids, you're a student first and athlete second. Again, by the time I got to JUCO, my coach kind of instilled that in me. Um, you can't do one without the other. Uh, like I said, I didn't love school, but I did love basketball. So I know if I wanted to play basketball, I got to go to school. Thanks. So uh, I'm trying to instill in my kids, you've got to be a student athlete, which means you're a student first and athlete second. And then my favorite quote, uh, I'll leave you with, uh, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. 
KD said that when he was drafted, and for whatever, I don't know why, for whatever reason, that stuck with me. I, I, I remembered it verbatim since he said it. Hmm. Uh, um, and I like, I put it everywhere. Like, it'll be either be like on my Twitter handle, it'll be, you know, uh, when I won those middle school championships, we got some sweatshirts made. It was on my sweatshirt. Like, Dope. I kind of live by that. And it's just, it's just saying, you don't always have to be the talent, the most talented player, which a lot of times you won't be uh, in the real world. Right. But you can outwork somebody who is talented that just might be a little lazy. So uh, that's how you can kind of level yourself out or even surpass someone by just you know having a, a, a great work ethic. So Definitely dope. Coach, I appreciate you. Uh, I'm definitely thinking about already, man, who's to be my squad down the next summer, man. Be my young boys. We're going to get a little more season this year, get a little more experience. But we always take out a town trip, man, because, I mean, these kids deserve it. We're building the foundation, too, right here where they work hard. So you in the area where I'm sure they would love to get to down there and get out of sack for a minute. But uh, up and coming season, man, good luck. Keep it going, man. You know what I'm saying? We can tap in, man. We can definitely share our stories, experiences, and, and try to get these these young men and to be men out of you know out of high school, man. Definitely, I'm 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 rocking with you, man. You got you got support up here in NorCal still, brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, man. Um, before I go, I just want to go give a shout out yeah. to my to my son. He's actually up in the Bay Area right now. He's in Vallejo with his mother. Okay. Uh, uh, hanging out with some family. And then definitely got a shout out uh, my daughter who's upstairs right now. Her name is Zoe. Uh, she's a, a super diva princess. <laughs> but uh, I did a couple interviews and she was like, "Why you didn't shout me out?" I, said, uh -uh. I got you on the next one. I promise. I'm gonna take care of you. That's dope. So uh, I just wanted to shout the kids out, man. And then yeah, man, whenever you down there or I, you know, vice versa, I might yeah. try to take you know my team up there. Whatever, bro. Let me get established first, and, and let's see good. how year one goes. Yep. And then, We'll definitely connect yep. and kind of go from there. We in the same little boat a little bit. It, 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 more than we know, bro. It's crazy, but the timing is everything. Like I said, it wasn't on our time, man. It was. It was. It's God's plan. So I, I definitely appreciate you, my guy, and I'm. I'm. A, I'm gonna tap in. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Right here.